0: As I have been praying over this message, I'm thinking, you know, Lord, this message is so simple. Why would you want me to preach this? I mean, it's it's pure basics. They're going to get bored. They're going to sit there and they're going to say, I know, I know, I know, I know. You know, you ever have your kids say that to you? I know. I know. No, it's, it's like when about 35 years ago I was coaching an a elementary school basketball team. So, so I got the basketball, and I says, we're going to go through some dribbling drills. And a little boy raised his hands, and, and, and he said, he said, coach, coach. He goes, what? He goes, what's dribbling? So I thought, wow! I-, I need to go to basics. I held up the ball, that round thing, and I said, first of all, this is a basketball. It's filled with air, and when you drop it, it bounces. And when you bounces and you hit the top of it, that's called dribbling. This is this is like this, except it's such so much more important than." a simple basketball game. I'm talking to you about one of the core values of believers for 2021 is that intimacy with God. We all want that, but but I, on, on this February 14th, Valentine's Day, Happy Valentine's, um, Arlene says, you're not wearing red? I'm thinking, isn't pink all right? <laughs> 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 It's, and, and, and the idea is is that we want to have this intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. But here's something that, that I'm just amazed when I read in God's Word is that for anything to get to that place of that intimacy. Well, let me explain it this way. I've been married for 52 years. I, I was, uh, we were engaged for one year, dated for three years, 56 years. Now, way before I fell in love with Arlene, she was my best friend. We hung out together. We had fun together. I got to tell you this morning, I, I love you, but I'd rather be with her than you. Simple as that. Yeah. And, and and the idea is, is that because of that friendship. And here's what God is saying to us in his word today. Because if there is ever a time in our world today that we need this love for one another, is that how do we express that kind of love when the world is filled with so much hatred? I even hear Christians talking about how they disdain other people of political parties. And I go, and you admit that? And, and, and the idea is that he, we need to learn that friendship. Yes, do I want to love my enemies? Yeah, but, but before I could even love them, I have to be a friend to them. Now, that's tough. But everything I'm saying here is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And if you want to have that relationship with your spouse or your children and your family or coworkers, your enemies, God has something to say about this intimacy that he wants with us. And he portrays us as, do as I have done. So, Here's what we're going to do. You know the, the old saying, do unto others as others would have, have as that you would have others do unto you. So, so my question is, what do you want others to do to you? Yeah. Now, sometimes they might to, you know, but you hope not. So here, here's, here's, here's some things, five basic things that we want other people to do. To us. number one is we want people to encourage us. Now, everybody wants to be encouraged. everybody wants to be uplifted. you could do this, you could do this. I believe in you and, and the idea is, is that we just barely hang around people or we avoid people who discourage us. So one thing that we want is a basic need. Is is that encouragement? The second thing is we want people to appreciate us. Affirmation is so very important because that puts value in who we are. Everybody wants to be valued in one way or another, and so I'm having problems with this. Let me, okay. There we go. And, and and one way or another is that we want to be appreciated. We want to be affirmed. The third thing is we want people to forgive us. Anybody never needed forgiveness? <laughs> no. And 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 that forgiveness is is it is a sense of acceptance, not that. I forgive you for what you've done. I accept you for who you are. And that's so vitally important in the world in which we live in. The the fourth thing is that we want people to listen to us. You know that 90-plus percent of the people that ever come in to counseling with me is that they don't want to come in because I'm so wise. All-knowing, which I'm not. Is that they come in because they want someone to listen to them, and, and here's the amazing thing: is is that they already know the answer to their issues; they just haven't told anybody yet. So as they talk, it's like peeling the onions away of onions, you know, the the skin of an onion, layer at a layer, and all of a sudden you're at the core. And you go, oh. Then they leave us, oh thank you, Pastor. You helped me so much. They told me the answer. But they wanted someone to listen to them. We want people to hear us. And and then the the fifth thing is that we want people to understand us. And that understanding us is, is not just the outer part who we are, but internally accepting us of who we are. Understanding why we do what we do. Knowing who we are. Because it's amazing to me is that we can can formulate an opinion so very quick on people outwardly. But if we only knew what was going on internally, we would understand, oh, that's why they do what they do. I mean, it took me, well, I don't know, I still understand, my lifetime maybe, to understand my kids. You know, my son, when he was a teenager, he would come to church with one um, um, purple shoe, a tennis shoe, and one red tennis shoe on. I go, why? You know, why not? Well, I don't know. Why not? They don't match? Well, who said they have to match? <laughs> it's, it's, it's like he, years ago when the uh, Jerry Lewis, the telethons that he was doing, and, 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 and when he was doing these telethons, He, uh, my son says, Dad, maybe, maybe those kids are normal and we're abnormal. Oh, okay, you're just way too deep for me, kid. But but then you start to understand that he thinks a lot differently than other people. Then when you understand why, when I understood why he does the things that he does, because he thinks differently, understanding us. But there is one I want to share with you, and his name is Jesus. And he understood what friendship is all about and why it's so um, valuable in a world in which we live in, and even in our relationships with our spouse, in relationships with our family, relationships with our employers or employees or whoever, is that friendship. And he wants us to say, here's something that you can in your life after because I want you to know something, church, is that the world in which we live in today is not experiencing that. People don't understand how to be true friends to each other and the impact that that could have upon your life, your walk in Christ, and your relationships with other people. So let's let's look at this and see what he has to say about this because there's a test and there are four tests that, that he talks about to us. So, number one, Jesus shares in what you will do for a friend. Now, that is in John, the 15th chapter, verse starting with verse 12. He said this, my command is this. Anybody get the point? He didn't say my thoughts or my opinion or my suggestion. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Well, we could just get off on that for a long time because he he loved us unconditionally. He loved us, well, more than we could ever imagine. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for another, for one's friend. Now, that's a little bit radical. I mean, it's, it has to be, you know, metaphorically. Is, I mean, he really doesn't mean that, that, that I am to die for someone. But that is exactly what he is saying. And if you, you know, and, and, and that kind of relationship that he wants for a friend. And, and let me say this. If you have one friend, one intimate friend that you could really believe that you could trust and, and, and who would love you and accept you, you're lucky. Because we we keep each other at our arm's distance these days. And God says, I want the body of Christ to have such an intimate relationship because in that intimate relationship, they will see me working through you. See, love in God's kingdom goes way beyond just earthly matters. It goes way beyond. It says, I want that relationship so deep. Well, in John um, 3.16, Jesus showed what perfect love is by his death on the cross. He's willing to die for us. And here's the thing that, that, that he says is his greater love. <laughs> when it is, it's a agape love. It's love beyond just a physical love. It is a pure spiritual love that he wants. It is an unconditional love because we put conditions on our love with each other. If you do our friendships, because if you don't do what I want you to do, or don't treat me the way I, you I want you to treat me, then then we're not we're not friends. And I find it amazing to me is what I could gain in understanding even with people that I disagree with or who really just don't like me, the things that they could teach me when I understand where they're coming from because I'll say, well, I I never thought of it that way because we think what we want, not what someone else is experiencing. It says greater love has no one than this. No one than this. Now, he doesn't say no one has this kind of love. Greater love has no one than this. And this is the type of love that he says, I'm commanding you. Here's what I want you to have in your life and your relationship with each other. Because when you have this kind of intimacy, there's so much you could learn from each other and so much that you could do together, so much that you could accomplish. And then out of that, there grows that intimacy in which you have with God. You see, the way I treat you impacts the intimacy in which I have with God. No matter what you have done, no matter how much harm you may have brought into my life, no matter what you may say, the way I treat you Is a way I'm going to have an intimate relationship with God. Because I can have it both ways. I can have that disdain and that love in the same vessel. It does not operate that way. One takes over the other. And it's a choice in which we allow to happen. And the third thing in that is to lay down one's life. Now, we go, well, I don't know if I want to lay down one's life. Well, let me say this. Maybe let's do it this way. Instead of laying down one's life, why don't you die out the self for someone else? Wow. Well, could we discuss that? Could we have a dialogue on that a little bit? But this is what he's asking of us. To be willing to go that far. And he says, for a friend. Hmm. In Luke 10, the Pharisees was asking a question about a friend. He goes, who is my neighbor? And Jesus talked about that to them. Is that we are all neighbors. Those who we love and those who don't love us. We're still neighbors. And the idea is that we are to love them. Isn't it amazing that when, when God's word, when Jesus was on a cross, he says, forgive them because they, well, don't know what they're doing. How do we expect the world to live if they're in the world? Do I expect them to walk this pure Christian life when they've never had a relationship with Jesus? Do I expect them to treat me with with the love of Christ when they don't even know the love of God themselves? Absolutely not. And so we retaliate or we ignore or we, well, whatever we do, the other people that, that when there is that relationship that we have with one another and even with the world, is that are we expressing that love, that kindness? For a friend. He didn't say, lay down your life for a loved one. He says, for a friend, for a neighbor. He wants us to have such a relationship because when I understand that kind of love which Christ has for us, it impacts everything around me, every individual. And then it impacts my life. The second thing is Jesus shares in what you will um, disclose to a friend. I find this intriguing. Verse 15 says, I no longer call you servant, but a servant does not know his uh, his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known unto you it it's, it's almost like uh, someone would say, Pastor, uh, two weeks ago I was in a hospital and, and you didn't come to visit me when I was able to do that. And I go, wow, I didn't know. You didn't know? No, no one called me. We, we, we don't, what we don't do is that we don't share with each other. <laughs> My best friend. In all the world is my wife. No one knows me better than that. For 56 years, we have been in a friendship, relationship, love for each other. And it's grown from one level to the next level to the next level. What I love is I love to be able to tell her about my day about what I'm going through, what has happened in that day. This past year has been the most challenging season of my ministerial life of what to do. Wondering that everything that I do, I'm going to have people for me, and I'm going to have people against me in every decision that I make in understanding that they have legitimate reasons for every one of those things and how they feel. And so I will come home, and and the end of the day I share with this, and she comforts me when I'm worried. She encourages me when I have doubt. She loves me when I feel all alone. She believes in me when I feel lost. I'm talking about your pastor. Because I have all those emotions, just as you do. See, she's my best friend. And she makes me laugh when I'm sad. It's it's crazy in thinking that that I might be eating something that I shouldn't eat, and she would literally wrestle it out of my hands, and I would start laughing and laughing. And laughing and see I love sharing with her. Why? Because friends are intimate in their conversation. And if I want that kind of intimacy in that conversation with God, I have to put it to practice with you human beings that is around me. Because when I don't do that well with you. Believe me, my prayer life is going to be just one-sided, me talking, him listening. Because there's not that intimacy of that relationship because it has not been practiced. Years ago, when I was going in schooling um, to become a counselor, there were these empathetic responses that they would give us. And we would have to practice them. You know, you know the cycle babble. Well, tell me how does that make you feel? Mm. <laughs> I remember one time Arlene was not happy with me and, and and she goes I'm so angry with you and, oh, you make me so angry she said and I, I says honey I don't make you angry you choose to be oh that was a wrong thing <laughs> and she says you better believe I'm choosing to be <laughs> and, and I learned how to rephrase things But I would practice those things, those empathetic responses, until they really meant something and saying, wow, how did that make you feel? Because, you see, when that communication is not practiced, you know my prayer life is impacted how I talk to you, how we communicate to one another, how we listen to each other. And he wants us to have that intimate relationship and communicating everything with each other, as friends should. Number three is Jesus shares that what you love is what they love. Verse eleven says 11, verse eleven says, "I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You see, he wants us to love things that, that we never thought we would love before. I, you know, I, I, am, I am not a, a camper. When I used to work with the Roar Rangers, and I did, I even went camping with them one time, a couple times. And, 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 and I'm thinking, why would I want to sleep on the dirt when, when, when I have a nice bed at home? Maybe it was because when I was a kid, we went camping, and I put my sleeping bag out on the dirt, and it wasn't a dirt, it was an anthill, and those ants ate me alive. From that moment on, camping is the furthest thing from my mind. I even I even took the kids camping with some other leaders and the kids were, were doing this 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 winning this badge of thinking of cooking. So they were cooking the meal. So I let them cook the meal and I let the leaders stay there. So okay, now you be with them. Where are you going? Oh I'm just going in town. I went to a restaurant to eat. I wasn't eating that stuff. Isn't that horrible? But the truth is is that there are things that people have taught me that I never thought I would really love until they show me the beauty within it. It expands our understanding of each other, and then we begin to see through their eyes. And when I'm beginning to see through their eyes, I'm able to see through the eyes of Christ not only in the beauty of nature that is around me, but the beauty of character that there is in people. The uniqueness of who they actually are. He wants us to see those things. See, the kingdom of God wants that joy to be within us. How do I know that? Our heavenly father is the one who throws a massive party for the prodigal who returns home in Luke 15. He's the God of the angels who rejoices over one sinner that repents in Luke 15. He's the God... Now, wrap your mind around this. He he is the God who celebrates with us and sings over us and rejoices in us in Zechariah 3. Can you imagine... (laughs) He sings over us. Now, I've sung to Arlene, and you're, you're probably seeing that poor woman. You know? But I sing my songs. you know, My Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, ooh, baby, baby, you know. I love that woman. I love to sing to her. The beauty of those words of which, which Christ, which God sings over us. I can't wait. I know, I know in heaven we're, we're going to be worshiping him and singing with him. I wonder if it would be those moments when he says, I have this song for you. I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle that. Of him singing over us. And at the end of the age... He's going to throw a wedding feast in a celebration of joy that he has over the restored relationship with his bride. He wants that joy to fill our lives absolutely amazingly. And fourthly, Jesus shares that you fulfill their request. See, verse 16 says, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. You see it 's not one sided; he wants to bless us. He wants to fill those requests for us. He says, "I want you to know that I really want to be your friend, and I really want this relationship within with us and if there's a need that you have, I want to fulfill that need well." This past couple of weeks that we put new flooring down in our home. If I knew what that was going to incur, I would have never done that. Because I had towel flooring, putting wood flooring down, and, and it, towel flooring, taking it up. They have this, this, I don't know what it's called, power thing and that's just breaking up all that towel, jackhammer type thing. I had a dust storm in the house. There, there is not a corner or cranny that there was not any dust anywhere. Tuesday, finally, the house, all the dust, all the corners, everywhere, the ceiling, walls, floor, everywhere was clean. Thank God to dear friends of Marco and Maria. During this this week, though, Arlene says, "You know what? Usually, I already have the taxes already sent in, and we really haven't had time to do that. And she works on them, but I need the printer now. In my garage, there is well now about 90% full of stuff that I had to take out of the house. I'm putting back in. I have 45." Um, plastic containers filled with stuff that I took out of the house and put in the garage and have to put back in. I mean it's 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 buried. And she says, I'd like to have that printer. That printer is underneath that stuff. But she requested it. And she's my best friend. It, It was easier when I worked in a coal mine five to 800 feet underground to dig the coal out of the ground than it was to get to that printer. But guess what? The printer is set up and it is working. Why? Why? Because she requested it. You see, in that need, that friendship, there's things that we need from each other. And the joy that God finds pleasure in fulfilling that request. And he wants us to understand that pleasure by fulfilling that request for each other when even it is inconvenient. Even when it's something that can you wait a little bit. Next year. But here's the thing, is that there is that understanding of that friendship, how we love each other, and we are willing to serve each other, and we're willing to provide what we can of anything that we're able to do. Now, here's, here's the thing that I believe that has happened in America today, that there are five myths that Americans have to believe about knowing God. Number one is the good deed myth. If I just keep doing a lot of good things for my fellow man in the church, and somehow that will give me that friendship I need with God. Well, this really kind of eliminates, well, the heart, doesn't it? It's just doing, not serving. It's not that I just do. We could be so busy doing stuff, thinking that is earning me a relationship. Look what I have done. It's not what I have done. It's how I have done it, why I have done it, to who I am doing it to. It is that heartfelt love that he wants us to have, not just doing good things. The second myth is a good life myth. If I just live a good life, if, I, if I'm a good person, if I'm careful to trust my fellow man right now and do unto others as I would have them to do unto me, somehow I would develop a relationship with God. Did you hear all the I stuff? It's not that relationship. Why am I doing those things? Why am I living that life as an example of Christ? Because we, we, it's not what I could get out of it, It's what the glory of God could get out of it. And what serving others could receive from it. The religious myth. If I go to church and I just do religious things. If I just come to Channel First Assembly every Sunday and Wednesday and sit in the pew, somehow this would develop a relationship I need with God. You see, it's, I want you here. But there's a difference in being here and entering while you are here. It's not just what I could. Receive. It's what I could participate in, to be a part of, to experience. Because what we're doing up here is far more than just performing for you. Is that we present that Word, and when you say, Lord, teach me, even in the most simplest things that are being taught, the simplest children's song. Jesus loves me, this I know. Why? Because the Bible tells me so. And what does the Bible say about that kind of love? Because He wants us to experience, to enter in more than just a ritual, it is a relationship that He wants with us. Then there's this filling thing. Now, I'm a big filling guy. I could get moved in 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 any almost not really in anything. And and the idea is that I just felt real close to God. There was something that happened, and I just felt close to Him. Does that mean I have a relationship? Well, you know, I can I could see a beautiful butterfly come out of its cocoon and all of its beauty and its wonder. And have this warm feeling that says, wow, isn't that nice? That makes me feel so good. Doesn't mean I have a relationship with the butterfly. Because if it's flying around my head, I'm swatting the bugger. So so it's more than just what I feel. Then there's that knowledge myth. The idea that I just want to know. Yeah, I could know a whole lot about a whole lot of stuff. There are people out there that know more about this Bible than I do who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because it's not the idea of just the knowing. It is the idea of experiencing the realness of it. So I'm going to talk to you a moment because... This relationship that we have in this this February 14th, this this love-filled day. He said he wants us to have this relationship, this friendship, one with the other. Because he wants us to practice that, to experience that intimacy with him. (laughs) I, I would think, wait a minute. Maybe you want me to have that intimate relationship with you, then have it with him. And and maybe that kind of makes some sense, but, but it's kind of hard when there's not skin and bones to it. And when he allows us, by the power of his Holy Spirit, to begin to treat each other in that love for a friend, Everything around us changes. I hear unity, 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 unity being spoken. But I don't see any unity being shown. The love, the acceptance, the listening, the forgiving, the sharing. That he wants us to have. With him. He says, Put it in operation. With each other. Because when you do that. It becomes a powerful weapon. Hmm. So you see. One of the very first things. That I really want you to understand. Maybe you could write it down. Or text it or Facebook it or something. I don't know. But the very first thing I want you to know is that God loved you way before you ever loved him. Way before. Jesus says, behold, I stand at, the door, uh, at your heart's door and I knock. He came to us, not us to him. And and in, in that love goes way before you really knew anything about me. I loved you. The only way I could maybe try to put that into an understanding is that when, when, when Arlene and I, which is married for a few years, we came to this great discovery that she was a child. For nine months, I had to wait to see that child, to hold that child. But I want to tell you something, that before she delivered those children, before I was able to hold, wrap my hands around that child and hold that child to my breast, to kiss that child's cheek, I love that child way before that child ever knew i existed and and i want you to know that god's word tells us this before we ever existed he was expressing that love towards us again and again and again and it's it's like it was it's when Orlin was pregnant I would kneel down in front of her and talk to that kid. I said, this is daddy. I would rub her belly. I "I love you so much. I can't wait for you to meet me. God's word was telling us again and again throughout the Old Testament into the New Testament that how he prepared for us to meet him because he loved us way before we ever knew him that he ever existed. The second thing is I want you to understand is that when you receive him into your life a friendship begins between you two. That that relationship that you're able to have that you're able to share with each other. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that that as that develops, he says, I want you to put some of these things into practice because you're not going to understand until you do some of those things. And he's talking about that friendship that we have with each other. And then when the Holy Spirit begins to interject his wisdom and his guidance in it, these lights come on into our head. And all of a sudden, how could I love someone who is so opposite of me? And I find out I can because of that relationship that I'm able to have with them through the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But it doesn't just happen because I just believe it can. Pastor James, come up here. Right there. Hi. How are you? Good. Good. Now, I got a twenty dollar bill here. Now, if I would say, Pastor James, I I want you to have this. Would you believe me? Yes. Yeah. You would. Wow. Now, puts me in a spot, doesn't it? Now, you believe that it says you could have it. Now, is it yours? No, it isn't. It's not yours. It's mine. Because I have it. You could believe that it says, okay, I have this for you, but not until you take it That is actually is yours. Not until you receive it because you could believe me all you want and I mean it with all my heart. It is yours. You could have this and God means with all of his heart we could have that relationship with him but not until we take it, receive it, grab a hold of ours, it's ours. So it's It's yours. It is yours. You're welcome. You need to get a hug out of that. Man. Man, no, take it. You know, church, as simple as that message is, it is so powerful because it changes the atmosphere of relationships all around us and everything that we do. And we really may have never really thought that how I speak and understand and talk in relationships with others is going to impact my relationship with him. And it's so very true because when I love as he loved, I began to understand a little more about his love. And how it impacts my life. When when we give sacrificially unto each other, we begin to realize how that feels. When we have that unconditional love for one another, we understand his unconditional love for us and that intimacy of that relationship. Because no one knows us like he does from the very conception of our being. He knows. He knows every gift that we have. He also knows every sin that we have. And He still loved us before we ever received Him. And when I receive that, I'm able to experience that relationship with Him that is so overwhelming, that is so powerful, that it impacts the world around us that they will know that we are his disciples by our love one for another. I want our the church to be that example in 2021, to be leading the way to a world that is so divided, so filled with discord and with prejudice and with hatred and with disdain is I want the world to see how we could operate. I don't have to agree with everything that you agree on. I am so, so blessed because I've, uh, believe me, I have heard every pro and con about wearing masks. And they both have legitimate reasons why or why not. But out of your respect and your love for me and this congregation, I ask, would you wear that? And you have. Now, I know that. (laughs) I see you when you go out and you're out in the parking lot and you take your mask off and talk to each other. I see. I understand that. I'm not here to take control. We're here to do the best that we can. But the idea is, is that we still love each other even when we don't always agree together and we show that respect and we even serve each other and we even give of ourselves sacrificially and he says and if it goes to the extreme I want you to be willing to lay your life down God I can't do that unless it's empowered by your spirit but when I begin to learn that and experience that, we have something to offer the church. And we have something to offer the world. And when the world sees that, they're gonna say, That's real. Would you stand with? Me?